Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Tonight, we're talking about relationships beyond um, blaming, gaming, and shaming. So, first of all, I'm really interested in your discussions and your experiences of blaming, gaming, shaming in your relationships. And really curious to think, to hear what you would see as the opposite and what would be a relationship beyond those. Right, Nina, you're up if no one else goes. No, no don't do this to me. I don't know what to say. No. Um, okay. Um, we were looking at it from like a, a, a society sort of thing and how it's just become really easy to to be vulnerable and insecure in whatever it is and then start where you know whereby the blaming and shaming happens you know um it could be a cultural thing it could be a society thing uh it could be just with the current situation at the minute where people have been really affected affected mentally so we start you know i think it's a lot of anxiety going on in in the world and i just think depending on what the the thing is the issue the the sort of in in whatever context it's in i think yeah blaming and shaming i think it it's more about the person who's blaming and shaming whether you you know it's it's to do with maybe the past you know traumas maybe where a lot of healing needs to be done so then we we forget that we don't look at ourselves um or individuals don't look at themselves they look at others to blame rather than looking within something like that so we were just we were just kind of develop you know we were talking about ideas of um on that yeah Oh, I want to say that like sometimes I think people get into relationships for the other person to make them happy. And then when it doesn't go right yet, then they start blaming the other person. But like, why do people get in relationship just to why why I always I thought that people get into relationship because they want to both make both people happy, you know, each other happy. So it just confuses me why um people are even in relationships sometimes when they can't even do that. So like but you always have to adjust and compromise because you're you're trying to make each other happy. So I don't know why people feel like they have, the other person needs, needs to make them happy. It is, and then they, that's where blame starts, really, in my opinion. Interesting point. So blame starts with the belief that the other makes, fulfills us. Yeah, there's, there's a societal lens. Okay. In our group, we spoke about how it's very similar to what the ladies have said already, um, sort of in regards to unrealistic expectations on the other person um, and expecting that person to, um, yeah, sort of be able to fulfill your ways that you can't sort of fulfill yourself. Um, and we also spoke about getting to a place where, I mean, we said that the a relationship without all that would be, you know, bliss, peaceful, you know, how a relationship really should be. However, it requires some front end work because obviously you're not necessarily going to meet someone and it to be, you know, straight off the rip. You guys are, you know, vibing on the same page 100%. So it probably require maybe some front end work and then going on to that, it'd probably be easier looking for the long term because obviously you've had those 
uh, crucial conversations and you, you know, you kind of have a more of a deeper understanding. Um, and we're just saying from my own perspective, I'll say from mine, you know, I have that I'm in a situation at the moment where, you know, it's so easy for me to like run away, blame the other person, but deep down, I don't actually want to do that. So we were just talking about like the love responsibility we each have in our connections um, and what it's more about how we feel about ourselves that would enable the relationship to be better successful because sometimes we what we spoke about was that there are a lot of insecurities that can come up depending if you know I mean it's just relationships like humans right so um yeah I can have like insecurities that exacerbate in certain situations but ultimately it's your responsibility to sort of manage those yourself and not expect somebody else to know how to do that necessarily yeah I'd like to add something in our group we were talking mainly about sort of personal experiences but um I think from my own experiences, um, it just reminds me of a, I don't know if you know Brené Brown, Mm. Um, it just reminds me of a quote where she says that blame is just the discharge of pain onto another person. So rather than not taking responsibility for saying how we really feel, we put it on, like what people have said, have put it onto the other person to make them take take it because it's too it's too much to take on and own that pain and instead we point the finger to the other person and say and it usually comes out because I think one of the trigger points for me is when somebody points the finger and says you always you never and you know that's when I that's when I start questioning you know where this is really coming from Mm. um also spoke in in the group about uh how these things tend to repeat themselves because, you know, they'll, they'll bring their baggage to relationship after relationship if they can't really stop and look at themselves. Um, and that's why the, the pattern keeps repeating as well. Uh, go, on, go on, Robert, and then Sandra's next. Right, okay. So we, we were kind of talking a little bit. Um, what A couple of words came up for our, our one, and accountability was a word that came up. And I think it may tie in with what was just said. And sometimes, yeah, there is that projection going on with blame. But sometimes there are times when somebody else has had a negative, their actions have had a negative consequence on your life. And there's not a lot you could have done about it. And it's more on them than you. But then again, if they're being accountable, you you don't really need to blame them because they've been accountable for the fact that what they've done. Uh, That kind of ties in with the shaming. As well, in a way, with the, the gaming was an interesting one. <laughs> I come up with monkey branching, uh, but there you go. M- monkey branching? you not heard of that? Mm-hmm. No. no. Okay, some of that. All right, okay. So, obviously, I'm a man, I'm in a, you know, a straight man, so women are monkey branched on me, and this is where they've lined up the other dude before they've gone out the door. The monkeys, the the woman, and the branches of the men. So not letting go of that one before uh, grabbing hold of that one. Okay. Okay. So that's not to say that men don't do it. The guy, you know, there are men that it's not exclusive to women. I've got to say that. You know, there are men that may do it as well. So when I'm thinking gaming, that's what I came came up with. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. I think the the the, the, the shaming. Again, we're back to the being, being, these are more my thoughts maybe than the groups, but I think the, again, you shouldn't really need to shame it. If someone's done something 
bad, then you shouldn't need to shame. I suppose we're going on to the other aspect. What would be like without these? Well, if people are more accountable and more honest, then a lot of these three things wouldn't really be around. That's my okay. thoughts. An interesting point was made um, in the group in that our socialization, our experiences from growing up uh, can influence a lot of our behavior, especially if unresolved. You know, the, the, the child that survives by saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it, it's, it's that one, it's you, or it's your fault, it's everybody else's fault, but, you know, deflection. And that becomes a pattern that transfers itself into a relationship and they never take or accept um, ownership of any of the things that might be uh, making the relationship uh, complicated or, you know, tense or issues that need to be discussed. Um, and I think that that is actually um, an important issue that many times we as adults tend to forget until we get into a stressful situation and maybe it's pointed out to us. Uh, <coughs> Um, the other thing, uh, oh, okay, the gaming bit, um, uh, again, interesting in that which one comes first? Does trust go out the door first and gaming, or is it that the gaming that um, is done um, reduces the trust, you know, impacts the level of trust? So it's a chicken and egg situation sometimes, and it depends on the form that it takes because sometimes it can be out of spite to punish somebody. It can be um, to see what they can get away with, to get a rise out of you, especially if you're an unreactive partner. Sometimes people go to extremes to get some kind of response from you, um, which is not necessarily a safe thing to do, but it still triggers that kind of behavior. Uh, with respect to the opposite type of reaction or of relationships rather a high level of responsibility high level of trust openness the ability to take ownership for shortcomings uh, and it is not plain sailing it requires a lot of negotiation but a lot of respect is is part and parcel of that being able to maintain that openness. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, let me take this down. Um, I think we're all more or less saying the same sort of thing from what I see, and certainly in my group as well, we discussed uh, certain things. And um, I think it comes back to uh, character developmental issues. Um, the person who is potentially projecting this um, gaming, blaming, shaming, call it what you will, is in a, I mean, first of all, they may be uh, trying to control their environment because they're not able to take responsibility for themselves for their own actions. So it's easier to try and control things around you or to blame other things. You know, I did this because it's your fault. It's not my fault that I did it. You made me do it. Or um, I need you to do this. You won't do it willingly. So instead, I will manipulate people around you which is the gaming or i will shame you into doing it or other things like that so it all comes back to um lack of character i suppose in some fashion um 
And you can't really take the responsibility onto yourself. So instead, you try and project it onto the other person. I think one thing also to recognize is that, and I think Sandra was intimating to this a little bit, is that this may be subconscious. Not everybody is fully aware of what they're doing. In some cases, they are fully aware and they're doing it purposefully um, because maybe they need to exert control in some fashion, divide and rule and you know manipulate everybody to do what they want. But in some cases, uh, that may be fairly subconscious in that they're just, they have to have this kind of environment and they don't know how to do it other than using all forms of manipulative techniques. And we can sit back and look at it from as an outsider into a relationship and say, well, that's clearly wrong. But when you're in it, you're doing it yourself. Sometimes you may not even be aware that that's what you're doing. I'm not saying that they got wonderful thoughts, but they may very well be a broken person, if you like, in terms of character. You did ask the question, what is the opposite? Well, I think all of these things uh, creates the, well, I suppose, the notion of the other person walking on eggshells. And that automatically means your guard is up. And the more your guard is up, the less connection you have within the relationship. So I suppose the opposite is that um, you have a stronger relationship because you're connected or you have more chance to connect to each other if you can be vulnerable as you are with each other. But um, if you are using these tactics to try and control your environment, then uh, you're going to put the other person on their guard. They're not going to open up. That's then going to bring, you know, are you doing this to manipulate me or whatever, or it makes me feel bad when you do this. And so that's then just going to be eroding the relationship because you can't connect. You just got these guards up everywhere. Um, some great sharing there. Um, anyone else? I want to say something again. It's okay. Uh, yeah. I want to say that like we talked about narcissistic narcissism in our group, and I'm just wondering because narcissistic narcissism is a mental disorder, but then so many people use that word when they relate describing their relationship with a partner. So I'm like thinking that is everyone mad, like, or or it's just become like fashionable. I don't know, like social media might have a bit to yes, do with it. Yeah, yeah. it's just weird. Yeah, it's it's very difficult because there is such a thing. Um, and a narcissistic personality disorder is someone who's damaged from childhood, but it becomes easy to blame someone else by attributing them to having that. Um, so narcissists will say that the other person is narcissistic. Yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's supposed to be about 4% or 6% of the population. I know it's strong in men, sorry. It's actually like I watched Dr. Rami on YouTube and she said that like 80% it shows up on men and like 20% in women, you know, but women can be narcissistic as well. It's just, oh, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Hey, guys. You said better narcissistic. <laughs> and you know what no, I mean? Just, I just, just, just Dr. Rami from YouTube said that. I didn't say that. Okay, just, just oh, to check the source, is Dr. Rami a, a, a female or a male? She's a male. Uh, no, she's a female. She's a, she's a great in, American doctor. She's great. <laughs> it looks like, especially from listening to all the reports, that... Um, in a relationship, you are either, well, unless you're quite balanced and it's the opposite of blaming, shaming and gaming. When this comes into play, you're either an oppressor or a victim. It looks like that. And it very much seems to attract such situations from what you've experienced as children. So like, like I was also mentioning earlier, when, when, when you have such a relationship, it's 
completely detrimental to the children and to how they grow up and they themselves have a relationship in later life. Because I only had such relationship once I had my own children, which was as a result of what I experienced as a child, violence, control, you know, all kinds of abuse. And, and actually, I'm happy to be speaking about this because we need to let it out. And what I've noticed is when we do get stronger, it's very, very important to stop the cycle, but we need to know that there's a cycle in the first place because most of the time it's very un un unconscious. We don't know. We, we're just acting out the subconscious and the subconscious is trying to save us. But in, 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 in doing so, it it's brings on a, a certain patterns that are not very beneficial once you're not in that state anymore. So it's a really difficult topic. It's a very moving topic. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was just going to add, I feel like people who play games a lot in relationships, um, it probably often comes from insecurities and fears, things within them to make them play games. Um, and I feel that when um, things go wrong in a relationship, I don't, I don't feel like shaming is necessarily... A particularly good approach because I feel I feel like if you approach problems with compassion and openness um, and understanding, that will then allow the other person to be more vulnerable and be more open and honest with you and themselves. When I think about like why did I start this group? And this group is called was it honest honest talk on um, dating heartbreaking relationships, and that was built around the idea that. Um, like Veronica said, that we don't normally talk about a lot of these things. Um, and so it's a place to, to discuss, discuss stuff that you wouldn't normally in everyday life. To really like build a community, you need to have an idea that people either, that polarizes people, as in they either agree to it or they disagree. Um, because a community is built around a commitment to an idea. For me, I think, and I've been searching for what that idea is, and I think it's relationships beyond blaming, gaming, shaming. If we start, I think the best place to start is by looking at what is um, what are relationships typically. Okay, so so basically, if you're looking at a typical marital curve, how it starts out is it starts up quite high, and then it just gradually goes down over time. When a relationship really works, it's it's like happiness. It just flows and you don't need to think about it. You just do it and it feels good. Um, whereas a relationship, when it doesn't work, it causes anguish and anxiety. We think about it a lot. There is flow and friction. Relationships are really a vehicle for connection. Um, and it's a way for us to enhance our life through connection with others. So everything that we want in life comes from connection. Um, whether it's career, whether it's personal, all the things that we want, like success, meaning, all of that comes through relationships. There's nothing that we can, we can't, all of that stuff we can't get without interacting with other people. Now, um, so relationships exist on a scale, which is flow, which is great, friction, which is bad. What happens in that curve is there's a breaking point. And that breaking point is where the friction 
is t- makes the relationship more hassle than the benefit of it is worth. Um, and so what actually happens is that's the point the relationship's broken. John Gottman talks about, on average, it takes six years from a couple deciding that the relationship's over to actually divorcing. Um, and that time is, um, and I think, um, I can't remember who who mentioned this, maybe Veronica or Sandra, um, talked about that a lot of the behaviours in relationships are when it's already, you've already kind of switched off, there's already so much resentment, hostility, that you're, you're still in the relationship, but it's just bad. Um, and it's just more hassle than, and people that actually only give up at the point where it feels like they're just dragging dragging this relationship and, and it's like all the fun and the joy has been sucked out of the relationship. And so this is really how a couple can go from being so in love to not being able to talk to each other. What we really want is to not, is the curve not to dip. And what makes the curve dip is friction. So friction is all the things that makes a relationship harder. We could, you, there are like there's friendships that you can have, and you can, you might have like a, um, you might work in the same place for say twenty years, and you might have a friend that you just see now and then, um, and the relationship never changes, and it doesn't change because it doesn't have any more challenge. But when a, so for example, when a relationship moves from dating, which is fun, like and there's no responsibility to it to be in a domestic relationship where um, someone's clutter affects you, where someone's, where they spend their money affects you, where their parenting choices directly impact you, then suddenly the relationship, like this, the relationship becomes much more challenged. Um, And that's where you see the differences between people. So connection is you're like me. We are the same. Um, and so, um, like the deepest connection, like soulmate, is they're a part of me. And it's like the identity is that we're with this person. Um, war is they're not like us. So if you look at prejudice, racism, um, uh, homophobia, and uh, all of these different things, that's about they're not like me. Um, and so disconnection is where we see people are different. And we have this tribalistic reaction that if someone's different, it feels threatening. And this is why conflict is, um, so the, the closer a relationship is, the more someone else's actions impact your well-being, the more challenge the relationship is. The more challenging it is, the more your differences are going to reveal themselves the difference, there's this tribal, um, we like people like us because it makes us feel safe. People who aren't like us, we're scared of because it's like a, a, they're a different tribe. Are they friendly or not? And so we feel threatened. And so when we feel threatened, it brings stress. Um, and so we react in a way or in, like in a, in a frame of of stress we feel under threat and so we react as if we as if we're under threat when this happens enough and if we can't reconcile that difference and that conflict then what happens is they do become the enemy and so then it becomes it becomes confrontational 
And that's really, when the friction of that happens, that's really how relationships break. One of the things I had a lot of trouble in trying to work out, um, in trying to, like, in how I was thinking and sharing with people about relationships, is if you look at that graph, where it's kind of like that marital satisfaction, how do people judge relationships? But they judge them by how they feel. And so when you're looking at something like a skill, like if you're going to drive a car or you're going to play golf, um, the first time you do it, like I can remember, right? I was a 13-year-old boy um, caddying, um, and I used to carry the bags for these golfers. And one day some, one of them said, you know, would you like, to, would you want to have a go? And I watched them and they'd all gone, when they'd gone 200 yards down and uh, like hit after hit. And so I, I said, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. And there was I thinking it was going to go 200 yards. And I swung and went to hit it and it was still on the tee. And then they said, don't worry, have another go. And then I swung and went to hit. And when I did hit it, it just dribbled like 10 yards. Probably everyone, when you when you first drove the car, you're, you're like, you know, like, like my daughter's learning to drive at the moment. And it's so difficult to change the gears and without like not looking down um, to be able to, and because that takes muscle memory. So learn a skill like learning to play golf, learning to drive a car, any of those things, we start off rubbish and we get better the more that we do it. But relationships are something that we, we've always done. We've grown up in relationship. We've always interacted with people. So we think we've mastered that skill. So the relationship is, it doesn't seem a reflection of our skill. It doesn't seem a reflection of how we react, how we interact. It seems like something that's happening to us. It seems like it's, well, it would be fine if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for that shit. If my, ass, if my ex wasn't an arsehole, my relationship would have been fine. We don't correlate what happens in a relationship with our actions, but it seems like it, what it's done to us. And so for a lot of people, you're looking at dating and it seems like, well, I'm okay, but look at everyone else out there. Um, how are you going to have a relationship with one of these? It doesn't feel like it's a skill. It feels like it's luck, and which is something which is inbuilt in, like, if you just find the one, everything will magically work out. So, um, but one of the things, the, the way I, I realised to explain this was um, Ken Wilbur talks about um, there being distinctions between states and structures of consciousness so ken wilbert has a he has a quadrant where he says you you have to wake up grow up clean up and show up um and so he distinguishes between states of consciousness and structures of consciousness so lots of spiritual gurus um are like they'll talk about being enlightened and they'll talk about these states of enlightenment. Um, but it later turns out that they've abused and um, abused their followers and they didn't live up to their ideals. And there's an incongruence with what they preach and what they do. And so um, Ken Wilber explained that as in what's happened is they've woken up in a sense of being aware through, say, meditation of states of what's possible, of what is out there. 
But what they haven't done is they haven't grown up, as in they haven't changed the structures of their thinking so that their structure of thinking supports the act, like living up to that awareness. So there's awareness and then there's the operating of actually doing it. So I was talking about relationships. So in the same way that um, a satisfaction with a relationship is about an emotional state, but underpinning that emotional state, uh, a st structure of thinking, how we think about relationships. Um, and so what it seems like to people is that the relationship is fine and then the person reveals themselves or the person couldn't live up to it or we grew apart or any of these things. But what's really happened is that as the relationship got challenged more um, because it became more intimate, because, because as you grow connection, the more that you talk, the more that you grow connection. The more connection that you grow, the deeper the, the um, awareness of the other and the more apparent differences. So the more that you connect, the more that you understand the other person, the more you can see the difference. Okay, and so that's where it's our structures of thinking that aren't built to support that emotional state. And so that's where the friction comes in um, until it becomes ho um, hostility. So really blaming, gaming and shaming are different ways of thinking about relationships. So what I want to show with this is how the worst of our relationships is already in the way that we think about relationships when we get into them and even before we get into the relationship. So I was looking at lots of different models and all, the thing with all models is all models are only true to a level. Um, so they're, they're just generalized ways of thinking about things. But the lens that I felt was best for this was spiral dynamics. So spiral dynamics is, um, it was originally um, work done by Claire Graves, who was a contemporary of Abraham Maslow. Um, and he was, I think he was looking to prove the ideas of Maslow and, and he developed upon structures of thinking. And it, it was basically, he was working a similar um, way of Maslow, but he came to a different conclusion. And so basically there's eight evolutionary paradigms of thinking and it says that we go through them all um, um, and so we stop at a level uh, wherever we are is is the level but I, there's a there's an important idea also from Ken Wilbur who um, was also kind of involved with this later um, of the idea of transcend and include so that while we outgrow certain levels we still have those layers of thinking in us. So at any level, we can we can operate at a lower level as well. Um, so I, and and I believe that most people are operating on a much lower level of thinking um, in terms of relationships as they do in their career or in like I think people can think very evolved about science. 
But when you look at how they think about relationships, you know, the, the idea of the perfect prince and there being one out there to complete us. If you look at that, that's really like magical level of thinking. So, um, so you start with a really basic, like just survival, um, survival level of thinking. Then there's like a magical level of thinking, which is what I would say a lot of people are at in terms of relationships. Um, it's very tribal. It's, it's thinking that you're appeasing gods. Um, and you can see it in medicine about 300 years ago is, is the idea of going to, uh, um, either going to a member of the clergy to pray for indulgences to, to cure sickness or, or a, a witch passing a spell or some potion. Um, so then there's um, like an impulsive and egocentric um, level of who wants power and glory. Um, and I'm thinking like Trump. But where, where we're really interested in is the next three levels. So when you look at blue, um, the stage of blue is very conservative. It's it's um, it's a kind of religious type thinking. It's the world is starkly divided into good and bad, saint and sinner. Um, it's the belief that people have to be controlled to be to be good. So it, it's all about order. Can you see from that level that shame is a natural consequence of feeling that you're bad? or feeling that other people are bad and need to be controlled. So if you think like, I don't know, 50s and before, there was very much society worked a lot on um, shaming. You know, like there used to be a thing where um, housewives had to ha had to clean their doorstep every week or or they, they were a bad, like a bad wife. Okay, so, so blue is kind of the level of, of shame. Um, the next stage is orange, and orange is really, you could sum it up as the American dream. It's um, someone who pulls themselves up by their bootstraps and, and by strength of their personal ability or by learning how to play the game, they um, rise to the top of the pile and they win at life. It's very individualistic and it's and it's kind of materialistic. Um but it's really based in understanding how the game's played. So you can see that's gaming. Um, so it's it's saying and doing the right things. The next stage is green. And green is the stage of, it was brought in by kind of the hippie movement. Um, and it's about, it's kind of a rejection of the individualistic, materialistic for community. Um it's it's really come to fore with the kind of woke generation. Um, it's very much about finding peace and harmony. It's um, saying that all all rights are valid and all are equal. Um, so it's really a, a an attempt to make everyone feel included and belonging. So it's it which creates kind of the the council cancel culture where opinions can't be shared if it offends someone. Um, and so this is really the blaming. Then what I want to look at, I want to put it across different, different ways of explaining. So if you look at Howard Markman talks about couples argue about three things, they argue for power and control, uh, caring, concern and respect and recognition. The level of blue 
is really about maintaining power and control through shame. So power and control is really a discussion in the blue level. Um, orange is about not feeling care, care or concern because gaming leads to transactional behavior. I'm doing this to get this. Um, and it doesn't feel like the, other, like the other person cares about you. And green is about demanding respect and recognition. And the blaming comes when, when, that, when you don't feel respected and recognized. Another way of looking at it is Sue Johnson does a lot of work based on attachment. And she says that couples are constantly questioning and looking for um, to know that they're safe with the other partner. And they're asking, can I trust you? Can I rely on you? And can I reach you? So trust relates to not being shamed. Like, can I tell you this and trust that you're not going to use it against me? Um, relying on someone means, are you, are you just saying that to gain me? Or, you know, or are you being real? And can I reach you means, can I like really connect with you without you blaming me? Like, can I really be honest? Blaming is really about showing contempt and criticism. Gaming creates a lack of integrity and shaming creates an inability to be vulnerable. So um, I'm going to share, some of you have seen this before. So this is, we, we talked about this before, um, where we talked about if you show up guarded, um, if you tell lies and cheat, uh, if you're contemptuous and, and criticise, it creates a downward spiral of so of shame, of doubt, of stonewalling, um, which ends up with disconnection, anxiety and hostility. Whereas if you show up with vulnerability, integrity, presence and kindness, you create an environment like the response in the other person is of empathy, trust, appreciation, loyalty, which then leads to a climate of connection, freedom, respect, and loyalty. Um, and so really, these are really about, are, do we blame or do we forgive? Do we gain or do we genuinely, genuinely care? Or do we shame or do we accept someone as they are? If we're to develop relationships beyond the blaming, gaming, and shaming, then it's really about changing our structures of thinking. It's changing the paradigms that we operate within because the emotional state that we have in the relationship is based on the interactions that we have. <clears throat> if the interactions are more genuine, if the interactions are more supportive, um, basically, um, if we, as we said before, if we feel seen, safe, secure, supported and satisfied, then um, we bring out the best in the other person and that creates the climate where we have relationships that are um, of like more supportive and the relationships that we um, are really wanting to build. Okay, so um, any 
thoughts, questions, insights, or new or new um, new um, words. Yes, I mean, this is, <clears throat> these are very good um, platforms, but it's really up to the individual to see how they feel in themselves. <clears throat> you can't force yourself to be this or that if you haven't worked on yourself and, and been like that, because um, <clears throat> basically having a relationship is, 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 a, is a very good way of teaching about yourself, because if you react to the other person, that means there's an issue there. The other person is actually mirroring so many things to you to, to, to hopefully... You know, together you work to become higher, <clears throat> and then you can apply those those lovely, um, you know, what's on the charts. But uh, the the other person may not be like this, and so if, even if you apply these things, you're like I did, <laughs> and I was an idiot really, <clears throat> because because I didn't strengthen my own self. So we, we one of them can do these lovely things, but the other person, if you're not well inside yourself and you're just doing this in order to have a good relationship is detrimental and you yeah. can only do certain things when you have the feeling for this as well mm. you have to have those feelings so the, the individual has to come to that feeling so I, I mean maybe you could suggest how to get to that feeling or how the person can really change in order to have such a relationship I mean it's also seems also the way that <clears throat> At certain points, you will attract what you need to learn about yourself. It's all about ourselves. We're only learning from the other to be ourselves. So really, I'm really interested to know how I get to myself because the other person will just present themselves as good as what you feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right. Um, I think the... the the control. So, what's above the line is really relationships to freedom. What's below the line is, is relationships to control. And there's, we can't control the other person. Um, so, if we do, we end up with with those kind of behaviours, which ends up in a bad bad relationship. So we. So that's where it feels like is out of our control. Um. So we can't control the other person, but we can control where we give our attention and who we interact with. So um, the relationship that you have is going to be a, a reflection of the structures of thinking of you and, and your partner. Um, so Einstein said that um, every problem, um, the solution to every problem has to ha has to um, be at a higher level of thinking. So when we have a problem, it's the, the real problem isn't the other person, but it's the level of thinking. So a problem is um, a sign that we need to break our thinking. So, um, so I, I spoke earlier and I said that, uh, about, um, so relationships really work in spirals. So the more that we talk, so it starts with a conversation. So every relationship starts with a conversation. Um, when we talk to people, um, we reveal um, ourselves and we learn about them. Um, if, if, the other, if, if someone is closed off and doesn't let us learn about them, 
um, it creates a disconnect. So, um, so as we learn about someone, it develops the connection, and the connection is uh, this person's like me. And sooner or later, there's going to be a disconnect, and that's going to be a conflict where this person is not like me. Um, and what you, what that conflict really is, is a problem of your models. It's not a problem of the two people. It's a, it's a clash of the models that people have, like the models from childhood and all of these things that people have said. The um, solution, um, so a lot of people think that the solution is to sacrifice and they feel like, okay, if I, if I sacrifice, the, the person will be happy um, um, and then they'll they'll like in, down the line, they'll sacrifice. Um, other people compromised, which is that no, no one gets what they want. Um, and eventually that ends. Um, but the real solution is that you have to break the model. As in, you have to look at what are the constraints of your model that's, that's keeping there. And so the solution is to transcend the levels of thinking that have created the problem. So um, all of us have a relationship model. Um, and when we have a conflict, it means that our relationship models have clashed. They've reached the limit that they can with this challenge. And so it's really about um, talking and talking with respect, talking with curiosity, talking with um acceptance of understanding another person understanding yourself and that work that you talk about that people have done that's the work you do in the conversation um so of course it depends on someone being willing to do that um but someone and and people will have different levels at which they you know like it's maybe this level maybe this level maybe this level um but um, it's really reaching the level of that um, thinking and breaking both models and rebuilding. Does that make sense or is that too abstract? So what, what will the new model look like or is that something unique to the two people? Um, okay, so, so the problem is caused by someone's structure of thinking that makes them think so like um if there's a say there's a conflict about um it says parenting um and someone um wants to someone wants to put their child in private school someone wants to put them in public school um and they're at loggerheads um so it's really about, it's not really about school. It's about what does that symbolize? Because every problem is really, um, all the things that we think we want, right? So the things that we really like, this is my goal, this is what I really want, is um, a symbol for something that we want. 
Um, okay, so we look at materialistic things, so material concrete things, as being um, the thing that we want. But what we really want is an emotional feeling. Um, so it's really about what does that mean to you? Because the things out there that we see that um, are, okay, so let's say like someone really wants um, a Mercedes and they're like, you're like, okay, I want this Mercedes. What do they really want? It's really like status. It's really like, I want to show that I've made it. I want to feel luxury. I want to feel um, rich. I want to feel successful. I want to feel that kind of thing. Um, so people are fighting um, about a state that they want. Like the, the, the two different things, like a public school and a private school, are mean different things. So like as in money, people are fighting about money. But money could be security to one person, freedom or fun to another. So it's really understanding that. And I know Sandra's itching, and I think she may have something to clarify. Um, you said something about um, what what you want. What do you really want? And I think that it's more nuanced than that in the sense that some people build up expectations based on the influences that have been put on them through their lives from from their born your family your the community in which you live we take it that these are the things that we really want but these things have been foisted on us throughout our our lives we are these are the things that a responsible citizen a responsible parent should aspire to having, especially if in your relationship you're going to have children. And to maintain your position in society, you need to have X and Y. <clears throat> and so you're aspiring to things, not that you really want, but to meet other people's expectations. And I think a lot of the tension that sometimes um, arises in people comes as a result of that. One partner may not be that um, concerned about meeting the aspirations of going to um, these various, you know, things about school, etc. And the other one is because their self-esteem is predicated on the approval of others. And I think we need to, in a relationship, we have to unpick what our true desires are, who we really are, and understand that uh, to be really meaningful. Otherwise, we are not paying the relationship, the, giving it the due attention that it deserves. Rather, we are putting our energies in trying to please the external um, onlookers, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah thank you for thank you for clarifying that so so really we're navigating life and um i think in your 20s it's really hard um to really know what's you uh, i think in your 40s and your 50s it's really hard to know but what's you and what's programmed so that there is so all of us so i often think that a way of explaining people so people typically so um, will look at people as being bad 
or, um, you know, like people divide people into groups. And I look at people as being like a phone is that you have the, the um, like the hardware of a phone is like the genetics of a person. Um, and so your temperament, whether you're outgoing or whether you're cheerful or tall or how you look is going to come mostly from your genetics. And that's like the hardware of a phone. And then the way that you operate is going to mostly come from your operating system. Um, and then on a phone, you have apps and the human equivalent of that is skills. So I look at how people, okay, so I think that given, like, if, if I had your same experiences, your same cultural upbringing, your same parents, your same genes, um, I would see the world exactly as you see it. And I think there's this, it's this kind of like blue, uh, red, blue, orange, um, in green kind of thinking that people are, some people are better. Some people are, um, some people are better than others. Um, and it's really, we are the product of our genes, our experiences, our programming, um, and everything that's happened to us. So when you're looking at what something means to someone, it comes from how they've been programmed from their children, their genetic temperament. Um, it comes from the way, the identity that they see themselves. It comes from their experiences and what they meant to them. It comes from the, all the messages that they've had from parenting, media, um, culture, um, the religious um, upbringing that they've had, the, um, the roles that they've had and the way that they see they, that impacts their identity. So what, um, so, so like when, when a couple first gets together, say they're like early twenties, um, it's often the first time I know for me, um, you go into someone else's household, um, like in a more intimate way and you see the way that they're, household runs and you suddenly realize for the first time that the way your family did everything was just your family culture. It was different. Um, because when we grow up within, um, within a, a system, it's, um, it's hard to see that anything else could be different. Um, I think is is David Foster Wallace talk, give a, um, uh, commencement speech on this is water um, and it's basically around you know a couple of fish um, like young fish swimming along and there's an older fish swimming by and he says hi boys how's the water and I go what's water um, and if you were a fish that it's always been and um, it would be like us walking past someone and saying you know what's how's the air yeah, what air? Um, because we don't think that, that we're surrounded by air. Um, so 
the the conflicts that we have with people with ideas are how we know ourselves and conflict where we've mostly been threatened by conflict conflict is really um the way that we can refine what is us and what was put there by someone else because the so when you look at most relationships don't work 55% of marriages end in divorce um if you count all relationships then it's even higher and so there's clearly something system systemic that's the problem rather than individuals and so um the and so that has to be um something in in the way that we think um but the way so i look at friction um and conflict as being like the way a sculpture is made and i i really like michelangelo's way of of when he was um said like how did you create that beauty he said i didn't create it i just took away what wasn't there and i feel like friction and conflict is like the sculptor's chisel of taking away the surplus to reveal the beautiful statue underneath so i don't know if that made it any more concrete or um robert oh yeah hi yeah no i, I i'm listening to everything um it's really interesting um I think sometimes we try and logic everything as well um, through thought process and analysis, um, and I don't know whether or not we can thought process or logic love. And I think that's for me personally. That's the beauty of love. I, I understand we can look at conflict, um, but if you love somebody, I think you can move away from conflict because the love is greater than any conflict, um, and. And I've never really met anybody who I truly understand 100%. Um, and then as soon as I do understand them 100%, there's no room for development. So whether or not, you know, <laughs> you're, you're in a state of growth, um, it's nice to have those mysteries and those differences. And um, yeah, but um, but certainly going back to the, the initial things when you were saying about shaming and, 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 and name gaming and things like that, um, yeah, they are all negative traits, and they're negative traits from things we've probably conditionally learned. And so I think somebody said, how do you get away from that? So um, for me, I tend to think, and I'm going to use the word immigrant in its, in, its, in its widest context, I think. Maybe you were alluding to this about the fish. And, that's, and that, in some ways, it's nice, it's good for us all to be an immigrant in life at some point. When I say immigrant, I don't mean going to another country, but be in a position whereby we're totally abandoned and totally lost and we're totally out of our depth. And to give that vulnerability so that we understand actually the control concept and all of our thought processes, they're not going to help us in this situation. And it's okay to be in a situation where we're completely lost because in lost is the way, you know, you know. 
um, to, to drift is is to have the perfect path because um, if you tune into your own your own feeling, which you mentioned there, your heart resonance, which is arguably different to your logic or your thought process. This is the this is what a lot of people debate over. But if you go back to our true heart resonance and we go by what feels right, then that should take us on the right journey. And in principle, we should meet the right people because to have the same philosophy and the same outlook and whether the child should go to a private school or a public school is a logical question. It, it, it might solve a problem, but it doesn't prove love. It just proves that there's maybe once again conditioning to be together to reach a platform that one feels is success. So to no one's success, really, the arbiter to become an immigrant of some description and be in a place where you know nothing um, and you are wise to no one and nobody looks up to you. And then to start from that platform and to accept yourself that we're all we're all in that position at some point. Um, I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah I, lo I love what you brought up about... Um, um, I think um, people dislike confusion because it feels uncomfortable. But confusion is, is the state when you've broken a model and you haven't rebuilt it yet. Um, I, I also like um, like what you said about, um, yeah, we, we have difference. But for me, conflict is a call for connection. Conflict is a way of saying we have this difference, but um, how do we? Um, so, so if you look at really prejudice, and if you look at um, we've come out of societies of being very tribal, um, and we were fighting for <coughs> fighting for resources, and so there is this ingrown sense of someone who's different is is scary um and um so it's probably like the 20th, 20th century has really been the idea um of different cultures mixing um and realizing that for all the apparent differences we're still more in, we, we still have more in common um, in humanity than in the, in the fact of different cultural ways. And there's something in that countries next to each other tend to um, be more, there tends to be more conflict, more difference, more rivalry, um, more hatred amongst the countries that are next to each other because they're more threat and because they have historically they share borders so there's always that threat of invasion um and if you look at even in football teams the biggest match the biggest hostility is between the derby games liverpool and everton man united man city or liverpool man united um arsenal tottenham is it's the teams that are close together which mirrors like England, Scotland, France, England, um, France, Germany, um, which which mirrors that, yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's really that idea of being the immigrant of um, 
because what conflict really is about, like if you want to go take it to its deepest levels, is I want to be right um, because me being right means I am God is kind of ultimately what underpins it. Um, whereas, um, so, so I look at basically there's three ways, um, three attitudes. Um, there is the, um, power seeker who wants to be right. Um, you know, like you can be right or you can be happy and they want to be right. Um, there's the peace seeker who will compromise to be liked. And then there's the truth seeker who wants to get it right. Um, so if it, the, the person, the truth seeker who wants to get it right is the immigrant. Um, they're the one who want to go, okay, what then, what am I missing? What don't I know? What, what do I know that isn't right? What don't I know? Um, what am I reacting to? Um, and how do I grow from this conflict? Whereas the per the power seeker is, I don't care, just make it like this. Um, and so the tools of the power seeker are shame because it shuts people up, gaming because it means they get their way, or um, blaming and frustration. As part of, uh, <clears throat> please forgive my tones, um, I was going to um, put forward this notion. I haven't thought it through properly, but we are starting from the viewpoint of a relationship when we get into it, that it's the one that's going to last forever. So our efforts are geared towards getting this relationship and then um, on the assumption that it not just from ourselves, but from society, that it's, you know, according to whatever vows you take, etc., uh, etc., et the relationship is still death does part or something like that. But I want to look at it from the other viewpoint. A relationship can be fulfilling. It can give you um, a lot. It can add to your growth, it can give you emotional contentment, but it has a lifespan. It may not last forever. And it may not necessarily end in acrimony, but it, after all, let's face it, we are living longer. And so till death does part in the, when was it, the 15th century, 16th century, even in the 1800s, um, was what, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, probably a marriage or would, would last. Eh? Now, um, people are in relationships and having marriages lasting 60, 70 years. Um, why do we think that when we do get, enter into a relationship, that that must be the end point and if we don't make it that far we have failed because I think that some relationships give a lot but they have a lifespan and that depends on the growth um, trajectories of the partners the levels of fulfillment 
um, that each is deriving from the relationship, etc. And they could have a mutual parting of the ways and they had a fulfilling relationship. I love that. Um, and it's the nuance that um, you see, for, for me, relationships have really been about how you navigate. Um, it, how you navigate relationships is really how you navigate life. Um, because people really want to talk about relationships as being this thing. Um, and it's okay. You know, it's, it's like people have dating advice, relationship advice, and it's, it's about what is that relationship, but the basic building blocks of a relationship are individuals. And so if you don't, if, if you work on the level of the relationships, you've already made assumptions, um, that which, you, which you've talked about. A good relationship is the same as happiness. It's, it's flow. Um, and when it happens, you don't need to talk about it. You don't need to fuss over it. You don't need to think over it. When it doesn't happen, it's because there's something blocking it. There's some problem. And the problem is the level of thinking. Um, and so what I really love about what you said is that the idea of the one, which makes me realize that when people are going into that, idea of the one what they're really going in with if you think about it is i want to be right i have this idea of the one i want to fit and make it right and so there comes that's where the level of control comes and all those games blame shame come because i have this picture that i have to match you to um so my idea of a relationship is it goes to the level, um, it goes to the level that it can, um, but it shouldn't be the level of pain that people feel after a breakup. Um, that is more about trying to fit a picture. Um, you know, like trying to, it's, it's like trying to fit, um, the mirror into a picture. Do you know, like when you look in the mirror, it reacts to you. But what people are doing is like, no, 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 stay there, stay there. And it's like, they're trying to change the mirror instead of trying to change themselves. Um, relationships won't always work out, but what you, the whole thing of, of the relationships is, you find the level of connection with each person connect and you find the level that it falls to. And it may or may not be, um, for life. Um, and I think if, if two people are, are committed and, and they have the right attitude, they can, um, but not all relationships will. Um, and there may be, you know, like some other points, people aren't aren't willing to go beyond that like everyone's got different levels of openness to truth everyone's got a level that they're um they're willing to go to um or how vulnerable they're going to be all of those things that's going to determine the level of how far into the conflict that they have and also 
Um, so the other dimension of that is how challenging, like if you're like, um, I wouldn't have children now. Um, so that's less challenging. Um, whereas in your thirties, when you've got, um, the children, you know, all of those, like two careers, all of that stress, um, that's much more challenging relationship than a relationship when you're a little bit older and you know yourself a bit more and have, um, you don't have the stress of children and so on. Um, so, yeah, so re relationships won't always work out, but there's no need for there to be hostility about it because it's just, okay, this is the level we've come to. But the, the hostility is a reaction to a societal sense of shame, to a, a, like a legalistic sense that there has to be blame. Um, and the feeling of being gamed as being lied and cheated to. Um, and so if you take away the lying and cheating, if you take away the shame and you take away the sense of blame, um, and it's just, I, you know, other people will do what they do. I will navigate according to, you know, my life, my life. This, this is where I'm going to set my boundaries. Um, and the key is where you put your attention, but people are putting their attention on trying to force people into what they're not, which leads to control, which leads to all of these things, which is what the hostility is about. Because connection, there's nothing more natural than connection. We don't need to learn dating techniques. We don't need to learn relationship techniques. We've, we've, we, it's natural to connect. The bit that's artificial, okay, is, so it's biologically inbuilt in us that we all need to connect. The bit where all the tension, stress, and all the, everything else comes in is the fact that we are a biological being that's having to operate in an artificial social construct. So it's the artificiality um, of our environment. If you look at mental health, it's not people are mentally ill. It's that people are being made to operate in an environment that makes them mentally ill. So a plant is not sick because it's in the wrong environment. A plant is just lacking water, climate, or um, sun. In the same way, someone who's mentally ill is just lacking something that they're not getting from their environment. Um, and so conflict is an opportunity to recognise what am I not getting that I need? What do I think I need that I don't need? Um, and what am I doing just on autopilot because everyone's told me that I should? Um, and so the bigger, the bigger goal isn't the relationship. The bigger goal is knowing what you need and who you are. But you're never going to get that if you're not in relationships. Because, um, like Robert said, we get stuck in our own thought. We can't, that's where we get stuck because in where we believe the thought, um, we blame. Like, if we... It, it, like if everything in my head and I believe everything in my head is gospel and I really believe that I know everything and there's nothing more for me to know and there's nothing that I've picked up that's wrong, then I'm going to I'm going to blame everyone else around me. 
I'm going to blame the environment, the economy, the um, politics, all of that stuff, because the fault is there. But we can't change that. You could spend all your life to change any one of them, and you probably wouldn't. But the thing that we can change is ourselves. Because the problem isn't us. The problem is the environment we're operating in. Um, and so the only way that we can navigate through that is by changing the stuff that we believe. We can't change the way that we feel. You know, like we can't change our hormones. We can't change our genetics. We can't change any of that. But we can change what we believe and what we operate on. Can I um, just ask you a question, Rob? Um, yeah. When you were saying that... Um, it's like not necessarily like the connection because it's a connection was like natural, but it's like the artificial environment that like a relationship goes into. Can you just explain a bit more what you mean by the artificial environments, please? Okay. Um, all right. So if you look at the history of humanity, we were cavemen. We were cavemen and um, somewhere... Um, we got together in tribes. We got together in tribes and then we developed civilization. We developed civilization. We developed um, a rule of government. So we developed someone that decided that they wanted control and they set out. Um, so if you look at the history of humanity, it's been about control. It's been about religious ideas that you should be this, that are enforced. And it's been about governmental um rules and it's been about um cultural um like peer pressure um you should do this um yeah so so yeah so so like we move from nomadic to um agricultural basis ten thousand years ago um we we moved from you look at tribes and they had, they had like a mythology. Joseph Campbell talks a lot about the mythology that um, more um, like American Indians and um, all kinds of tribes had. And, it, and the mythology was a way of coming to terms with like killing animals. Um, like to just kill an animal is, um, this is what like the argument of a lot of vegans, vegetarians, is that if you want to kill an animal, you shouldn't eat it. Um, and the like the American Indians had a mythology about they had a contract with the animal. So there was a sacredness in the way that they killed them. There was a belief that it was part of the circle of life. Um, so the mythologies that we operate from, um, and I'm trying to think. Um, so, um, I'm trying to think of a, a relevant example. Um, yes, I mean what Sandra Sandra talked about. Um, the, to, till death first do part, right? Came in in the church was never involved in weddings, right? The church. Um, the church didn't develop weddings. Um, people developed weddings. I think there was a social, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was a social um, contract, like validate 
weddings because it's a way of controlling them and the church got involved because people were getting married and it was out of their control so the to deafness did part all of that um wedding rites was constructed in about 1000 AD um and it's constructed to take something that was happening into a religious context um so that they had control over it um and obviously this is like there are people that will say okay it's in the bible and i'm like well i don't believe in the bible i don't believe the bible is divine i believe that the bible is written by people um and other people believe it's divine um so the basis for religious um right is if you believe that the bible is what say christians believe it is or what um islamic um faith or hindu or or whatever whatever they believe in like they believe being a believer means that you agree to the divinity of it i think it's um they were books made by people um because i look at religion i look at buddha and i look at um jesus and both pretty much explicitly said neither of them formed a religion and they both pretty much explicitly said don't do a religion if you read jesus his sermon on the mount it was um everything that christianity his everything he said was not to do is exactly what christianity did so if you look at the christian holidays they took in their on pagan um like the 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 pagan holidays um and so it's just a way of this is the way i see the world because these are the pagan like um pagan holidays the pagan perspective and i'm just going to take christianity and put it into that um so what i'm saying is if our ancestors had made different decisions if different people had won different wars the world would be completely different um so the the very much like the orange meme is very much self-made man and when you have people like george bush who was a uh, son of a president um donald trump who was given all his money um to say that they were self-made men um no one's a self-made man we, um there's a reason like mark zuckerberg bill gates um elon musk all of them all of them come from the western world there's a reason that they're not coming from africa or they're not coming from um vietnam because they they are part they're made by the systems the infrastructures that's already there that gives them the opportunity to be what they are um so that's really what i'm talking about does that make sense um so i can understand what you mean definitely by obviously the fact that um so basically this is what i get from what you've said that the world has developed in a certain way and therefore that has conditioned the way that we see relationships but actually that's not what relationships are truly about that they're just about connecting with other people and all of the things you know like the just the traditional form of marriage and all the duties that we feel like we need to perform in relationships in this modern time actually isn't the true nature of relationships 
and that we should understand that when we're trying to navigate in our own relationships. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, patriarchy happened as a consequence of past choices. Um, that the fact that like you can be a feminist and you can say I reject patriarchy, but it's, it's, it's built in every structure because um, it's conscious, non-conscious, like the way that language is built um, has in it um, certain meanings. Like we don't think about the words that we use, but if you look up um, the etymology of words, you can see that they were constructed within a certain belief set, a certain religious belief, cultural framing, um, and all of that, whether we agree with it or not, subconsciously our, our thinking has been led in that direction. Um, because we, we can't start, you can't come out. Um, so I, I'm thinking of like the matrix, the film, the matrix, and you know, you're born within the matrix. Then we can't, we can't start with nothing because otherwise no one would ever do anything. So we have to operate within, um, some cultural framework. Um, otherwise, like we would always just be cavemen. Um, but what I'm trying to say is every problem that we have, relationships or not, but every problem that we have comes from that framework. Um, and it's stuff that, you know, like um, everyone thought the world was uh, square, it was flat, and then we found it was round. Everyone thought that the the earth was the centre of the universe. And then we found that we rotated around the sun. Many of the assumptions we're operating on, um, our ancestors are going to laugh at us as much um, that how, how stupid we were for, for believing that. But we, we can't see what we have no frame of reference for. Um, and so we have to um, we have to have the conflict to know what might not be true because so the the someone who wants to be right doesn't want to anything to contradict because they're what they're doing is they're trying to they have this idea that they want to be like all of us want to be the best. All of us want to be special. All of us want to be, you know, this amazing thing. Um, and part of growing up and maturity is coming to terms with the disappointment of not being all those things that we thought we would be. Um, so it's, um, it's conflict is that, thing of of letting go of being that perfect thing um yeah so it's it's um conflict is the opportunity to find what we what we don't know what we thought we knew but was wrong um or, and just all of our biases you know there's uh, i think i've got a book here it's like 51 different biases emotional biases um but there's so many ways that we don't realise in every interaction um, and we don't realise how much our thinking has come from someone else because we're all trying to be that self-made man who's amazing. 
Um, but we we are just products of our environment and our experience. Mm, I think that's so true. Um, and I think as well, because when you think about if you put, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I have a, like a religious background type of thing. And sometimes it is hard to remove what you think that our relationship should be in this day and age that is like genuine um away from like you know religious what's the word tendencies because you're mm. right like where do all those things come from and are they even the right thing to believe do you know what i mean yeah um definitely um because logically um so logically you can understand it um but the amount of so your brain is built from how many neural connections there are and how often those neural connections neural pathways are triggered so it's like walking through a field um, if you're the only person to walk through a field at a certain path it it, it doesn't make much of a dent um the bit that everyone walks through there's this like deep rut um, and it's the same with thinking and if everything in your culture everything in your experience has led you to um, to view relationships, marriage, all of those things in a certain way. The fact that you've suddenly thought about it one day or you've read a book about it or something is not enough, is not enough for it to really sink in and change your neurology. It's because what we're talking about in terms of operating is what's the, what's the, um, so, when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're busy, you're not really going to consciously think about everything. You're going to do what the most common thought pathway is. Um, and so that's going to be the one that's been trained in you until you've overridden it enough times. So, so it, it's, so this is more of a way of navigating past. So it's recognizing when things happen. And then being able to step step away and say, okay, um, I see, um, like, okay, right, there's a problem, right? A problem means there's something in the way I'm thinking, so I need to look at it dispassionately. And this is why if you can, if you can get into a relationship where you are really able to open up and really talk, because you have all that trust and all that safety stuff, and you can just this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Um, if it's out of your head, you can see it. So in a sense, a lot of what you have to do is objectify yourself. Um, because we, it, this is like in spiritual things, people will say, who is the thinker of the thought? Um, and what it's trying to do is recognize that because you have a thought doesn't mean you are it. Mm. Um, there has to be an observer, observer thinking before. Um, so if you're to objectify yourself, you have to take it out of your, out of your head. So it's not identify you identifying with it, but you can see it and examine it. And if you're able to have, uh, an open and honest conversation with someone, then that's really what you're able to do. It's kind of, you know, like in Harry Potter, if you've seen that Dumbledore takes out his memories mm. uh, and that's really the ability to take that out um, and see it. So it's, you're not identifying with being in it and being it, 
but you can see it. And that's what a really open and honest uh, approach to conflict is. So if you have that kind of relationship where you have trust and you have acceptance and respect, you can objectify your thinking. Um, and that's how you can see what isn't you. Um, and because it's really about when it's all in our head, we identify with the thought. If that makes sense. Yeah, that is true. That is because, yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Because obviously I believe that religion is different from spirituality. So as I said, my, my background is religious, but I'm more spiritual now. But I do feel like in my romantic relationships, I can get sometimes trapped in that very traditional way of thinking, like, you know, man versus woman type of thing. And just at the moment, I think that's where some of my conflict is coming from because it's not really serving me to have that attitude because I feel like I'm always put in, because he's not like that at all, like, you know, but I am, but then I'm just like, this is actually my problem, I think, like the traditional ways that I've been thinking, which isn't my original thought and not really who I want to be, is impacting my relationship now. Yeah. Um, see, there's something that you said is is, is my problem. Um, and something in that is the idea that there's is the idea that there's some blame in having a problem. A problem is is so if you have a problem in the car, it's because the wiring isn't right or something isn't quite working. Um, but it's not. There shouldn't shouldn't there. Um, there I don't think there is really judgment. It's it, like I, the message I would really want to get across is um, if we can accept each other and ourselves without judgment, um, and, but just see this is how we are, then that's how we have great relationships. If we can just take judgment out, mm. if we can take out a certain goal, and judgment of how we are, um, that's back to the natural state. Um, and so every problem is is either because we're um, uh, attached to an outcome or it's because we're judging ourselves or blaming ourselves or others. Um, so right, Sandra's got a point to make. I went to a religious school and of course, you know, Jamaica has a reputation for having so many churches per square mile, which is true. Well, well just, just, just on that point, so did I, and, and my parents were Irish and I, um, we went to my dad's village, which was, he told us he walked barefoot miles to school. Um, he lived here, his, they lived, they had a field. Next to that was the church and school. Um, it had two pubs, one post office, which doubled as a shop, and that was it. Two pubs and the church for this tiny little place. But yeah, so Ireland's similar. Yeah, so it's well, of course, we we had to be different. We have the rum bar next door to the church many times, but nonetheless, right? So um, it's it's this thing where wherever you're from, there's a church that's nearby and you're associated with or several churches in one village where my mother's family is from they they come from methodists from here via canada to jamaica 
And so, yes, the church in my village has our name on it, if you know what I mean. It's so we are, <clears throat> and I, um, yes, and my father is from another church and institution, but he's never been to church in my entire life. He did not go to church. It's the Moravians from the Czech Republic, believe it or not. And um, <clears throat> I went to an Anglican school. So you would think that I would be very religious. I should be a good girl, shouldn't I? I should be really good <laughs> with all of this influence. And some years, I've always questioned these, these stories. I've always questioned the Bible. You know, I read the Bible. You know, when you're small, you read the Bible from cover to cover, and it sounds so poetic and all the rest of it. But there comes a point when you start to really question it. And I questioned and I questioned and I said, no, this, there are certain things that don't work with me and I can't understand. And as a student of science, some of the things, you know, like the miracles and some of the other things, just the plagues and whatever, I could find a scientific explanation for it. So, yeah. But the point I'm making is that I got to the point where in, in my head, I said to myself, no, I will not have a conflict any further. I'm not going to be ifing and butting and apologizing to people and pretending and acting as though I'm going along with it just to be part of the crowd. So when my old girls association gets together and stuff, I'm the heathen in the bunch, you, know, you understand? And like one of my very close friends, we actually work together and she says, Betty, I know you don't believe, but, <laughs> and it's this kind of thing where you're this guilt tripping that you have to be really, you know, I know you don't believe, but, and then one of my, clo one of my close friends, She's had, she's now reverend, whatever it is in the Anglican church up here. And clearly we are, I am the heathen. So I'm really bad, you know, I'm just, it's like I've never heard of God in her eyes. But the point is, I hold firm to my beliefs. I see no need to justify it to them. I respect their beliefs and they can make all kinds of snide remarks. It's like, water off my back because I, and as a matter of fact, I have released my husband, who's still my husband, from having not to be able to say I believe in God. So he's believing in God all over the place on Facebook and wherever I, I, I've released him to express himself. The bottom line is, in releasing him, he has released me to continue to be who I am. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's that. It's like forgiveness. Is so. I grew up Catholic. Um, had to go to church. All of these things, um, and I was just like, it doesn't make sense, um, and. I always, I grew up thinking, you know, like it seems like Jesus is this goody goody um, wimp, really, um, who's like, um, you know, oh, you must, you know, no, someone slaps you, I'm going to slap the turn over shoe. Um, so I, I didn't understand um, really like Jesus until I saw the passion, uh, the passion of the Christ. Um, 
and I saw like in the brutality, there was beauty in the brutality and it was, there was strength um, in, yeah, I, I saw the strength in that. Um, I can't remember where I was going to start off with that point, but um, yeah, the, the, but the, the one person who probably could make me convince me to be a Catholic again is um, Father Richard Raw, um, who makes perfect sense of um, because, um, like growing up. Um, there was this assumption, and I remember, you know, I, I would argue with my my mum and my sister, and about religion, and they say, "Well, you need religion." Like, well, why, why do you need it? Because otherwise, people will be raping and pillaging. Okay, well, that's not what stops them. Um, yeah, and 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 just growing up within a, a religion, you saw so much hypocrisy um, that made it like how can that make any sense um anyway uh veronique <clears throat> well um actually um yeah I, I i don't know if i can ever accept another person who they are you know I, i've always thought that i'm pretty open-minded actually if i want a relationship it's going to be one of mutual you know, self kind of thing. We let the other one be who they are and I do the same. And, you know, and pretty much the base of a beautiful relationship where, you know, you, ac you, you, you accept people for who they are generally. And then I had this experience, I think it was two, three weeks ago. I was praying to meet someone actually because I was in such a good environment. I think it's the time now I want to meet someone. I was praying and just as I finished my prayer, that was on the street. This guy just started talking to me and we started talking and then he said, oh, let's go for coffee. So we went for coffee and oh my God, I thought I could fall in love with him. I can really fall in love with him. He had all the beautiful characteristics that, you know, enchanting. And then he was telling me about his life and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, some really good points, like really hard things, which is very important for me, more than the mind, the heart is. And then the following day, we, we met up again, and then he did something. I thought, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I thought, he's been lying, you know, from the basis of what he did, he's a liar, he's, this is, and I don't believe anything anymore. And yes, I didn't even want to approach it because I would be so embarrassed to even tell him what I'm thinking, actually. But it is something like, no, I don't feel like... <laughs> putting up with this kind of thing. So what, what am I, you know? I mean, it's like I I don't want to accept somebody who, for who they really are. It, it's a human trait. It's it's being human we are like that. I don't I don't think we can fight it. Because I thought I was pretty open-minded and that was like a minuscule little thing. And it's just blown up. And it, it's actually made me, I mean, we, we, thank God I went over it. And, you know, we, we, we still texting and being very nice. And maybe at some point I could say to him, blah, blah, blah. You know, I thought this and that. And then we probably have a good friendship and maybe going to something else. But no, from that little thing. So is there any hope? Um, okay. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so the question I, 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 which comes to my mind is when you say that, um, that makes you shut down. Why? Uh, because I'm not prepared, first of all, to live off lies. Not prepared. You know, people tell lies, including myself. I've lied. I, I've, I've, I lie when, sorry, I lie when to save somebody or to save myself, not just somebody else. And, and also when the other person is not going to be comprehensive on what you're trying to communicate. You know, it, it's like a deadlock. So you save the situation. It's not a bad lie. It's just a normal, sweet lie, basically. So these are, but 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 majorly, I'm, I I I like the truth. I like the truth. I don't care if it's a lie. For me, the truth is good. Everything is good. Well, as soon as somebody is trying to show me another face, I, I just I, I I can't take it. It's like okay. So so my challenge is, but why didn't you tell him what you were think, thinking and feeling of your truth? Because I was quite embarrassed by what I thought. You know, I was very embarrassed. Okay. It's like, so, it's like it was showing me that he was really, really rich, and I'm going to say it, it very, very rich, and he had this and this, and, and he had so many businesses. And then the following day, we went for a coffee, and he actually expected me to pay for my monk. Oh yeah, to to pay for my cup of coffee because when he tried to kiss me on the lips when we were parting the night before, I went like that. So I showed him I was just a friend because obviously I'm not going to just go with anyone, no matter how, you know, I thought it was a nice relationship. So that little thing, like, just really put me off him. Either he's really poor and he couldn't afford to buy me coffee, or he was just lying about who he is, who he really was. And, oh, he was so selfish. And I thought, ah, such selfish, Jim. I'm not having that in my life. I'm always giving, and I, I, I expect somebody to give now. I, I am tired of just giving and the other one being selfish. Full stop. So very rich man does not boast. A very rich man will not boast. A very rich person does not have the need to boast. As a matter of fact, they will keep it hidden away from people to ensure that you like them for who they are and not for what they have. So he was playing you, I think. You are right in what you did. <laughs> the only thing is, I think you should have called him out. But then that's me. I would have called him out. <laughs> I feel like controlling the fact he didn't buy you a coffee because you wouldn't do what he wanted you to do. Yeah. So he's kind of, kind of punishing you in a way because he wants to be in control. And I didn't like that. I, I really didn't like that. So that mm. took me off. And, and I didn't want to, I didn't have to make a note of, oh, you did that because really it's it. It's, that's it. Mm. And actually I, I spoke to my daughter about it and she said exactly what Sandra said. No, you trust everybody, but they're not like, <laughs> not like that. Don't trust. You know, it's not very nice to live a life where you can't trust anyone. He needs to think. Can I just say think about okay, your needs? Are you talking? Sorry, that's okay, Nina. Go ahead. It's all right. Me and Kay are friends. We just, we just always talking. <laughs> We're always yapping away. I was going to say you're very brave, Veronica, for sharing that with us. Um, that's really that's very admirable of you. I just wanted to say that because, um, yeah, not many people would just share their story like that, and I think it it helps all of us really. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're... Lots of yeah, said about... it's interesting. 
a lot's been said about religion and marriage. Um, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I mean, I'm divorced. I'm sure there's other people on the call that are, and I'll never get married again. All right, that's usually the men that propose, it's usually the way it works. That will not happen with me. Um, and the reason why is I don't want the government in my marriage, in my relationship. And with the government, when it comes to divorce, you're talking solicitors and law firms. And we were talking about blaming and shaming and that, but anybody who's gone through a divorce, um, you know, there's, there's, it's, there's never, the solicitors, there's a, a writer, you may have heard of him, a guy called Charles Dickens. And he, uh, he said, the only business for solicitors is to make business for solicitors. And that was in Victorian times. So we're, I'm hearing what people say about religion and that. But for me, um, I mean, I'm a libertarian anyway. Um, you know, I'm for small government and I do not want the government or in my, involved in my relationships. And it's interesting now that the <laughs> divorce rates are so low now because the marriage rates are so low. So obviously I'm not the only man thinking this, putting that one out there. Yeah, I, I think anything, um, I think there's two main sources of control, um, which is organised control, which is <clears throat> religion and government. Um, and both of them um, got involved and, and made marriage um, under their control. But I think seeing that we have uh, conformed to the so-called norms of society, the expectations, um, you know, the patterns that we follow, the traditions, school and, you, you know, the perfect marriage and the children and the mortgage, etc., etc., etc. The focus at that point is on the notion of the marriage, the institution, and doing all the things that go along with what that perfect union is supposed to look like. <clears throat> you know, the children and blah, 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 and you go to the right church and all of those things and what you do. Now, Robert, I haven't actually done the divorce yet, but I'm on the other side. Yes, I'm on the other side. Don't worry. So... I now think that the focus should be, is, well, in my case, the focus is going to be on the quality of the relationship. Uh, marriage is no longer a, in any part, of, a variable in any equation of mine. I mean, if you, uh, if you unfortunately find yourself single again, you know, I think a lot of people probably wouldn't get married again. I think that's the feeling I get. I yeah, mean, I, I live. I live. I yeah. I live. I live with. Um, I'm the HMO has most occupancy at the moment, and there is one, two. It's all guys. Five of us. Uh, all four of us have all been married. All divorced. One guy twice. None of us will get married again. We're all guys in our forties, uh, fifties. I don't blame you. Relationship. Are you averse to having a good relationship, though? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, um, you know, you said about more. Um, I don't have any children, but I'm sure there's plenty of people on the planet who didn't didn't get married to have you know fathers and mothers and didn't get married. And I've got a mortgage. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm not averse to finding myself in a, uh, a good relationship, but I do not, I'm not going to, you know, um, I'm not even sure if I would live with someone. Well, that's a little bit debatable, but that one's, the jury's out on that, but certainly not Mary's. Not unless she was really, really rich. Um, I, see, I, I think that's the thing, <clears throat> is about rather than having an idea of what a relationship should be, it's about navigating through relationships and recognising you can have relationships the way that you want. Um, not necessarily with a specific person, but you can have the relationship you want. If we let go of, it's got to be this person because my hormones are saying it's got to be this one and it's got to be this because my um, programming tells me it needs to be this. And it may be um, that you don't, you know, like, you can live separate houses and things like that. And that might be right, but it might also be um, sometimes it's a reaction to the stress and the pain and uh, um, of a past relationship, um, which when healed, you, you, you know, it can change your minds, but it's about you can have... It's unlikely. It's been a long time. <laughs> it wasn't recent, my divorce. It was a long time ago. Hmm. Well, I, th I think, but I think what, what's really clear is not being, not doing what you do because of dogma, not doing what you do because of ignorance and not doing what you do because of emotion. Um, on either side of that. And if you can make decisions clear of that, it's more about who you really are and not in reaction to something else, um, whichever way. And, um, but you can have, but relationships are really about finding the form of relationship that's right for you. The, um, yeah, it, it's been so much that it's the person that's right for you. And it is the person, but more than that, it's about the form of relationship. There's so many single people. Um, there's so many single people of all kinds of really want to be in a relationship, really don't want to be in a relationship, um, that you can um, work out what you want, but it's just being clear of the dogma, the drama, and um, the um, not knowing what you don't know. Um, Kay. Yeah. Kay. Yeah. Okay, hi. Um, hi, Robert. Um, I feel the same too. Um, I had been on mine for a very long time, and um, uh, and, and, and I'm actually dating a guy, um, and he felt he hadn't been with anyone for a long time either, been divorced a long while, he has, but. I'm his first after a very, very long time. Um, and, and everything changed for him. I mean, when uh, the intimacy comes in, when you meet the right person, the intimacy comes in, uh, things are flowing. Um, you know, you kind of change your mind. You don't have to kind of live with each other and move in with each other that quickly. I mean, we've known each other seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. We still live in our own homes and we just kind of, you know, meet up and whatever um you know so it is possible even doesn't matter after how many years but once we, we can forget what it's like 
to be with the opposite sex, you get so used to doing things by yourself in in your own sort of group. Generally, you know, the guys might hang around with the guys like he did, and and I might hang around with the girls like I did, and then we kind of forget what it's like to be with the opposite sex. But uh, you know, uh, it, it it is nice. It is nice to have somebody. Uh, nice company really so you might have forgotten the feeling yeah <laughs> yes yeah, it's just um it's really doing the thing it's a bit like um people say there's three of us in the marriage um mm. and that's what it is it is and it's not even that it's it's, it's really it's you it's them and then it's all the other things of cultural family all these reaction to past relationships all of these things that are stopping us from connecting and if we can just let go of all of that it's um yeah that that's that's what we want and that's the relationship that's right for us um veronique is that your hand still from before or did you have I, I just put it back up just now. Okay. I mean, what, what I would say, I mean, is it's to, to really find out what it is that you learn from that marriage, you know, that like everyone teaches us something, that we attract them to, to, to show us something about what we need to learn or what, what, what's not working about us or, or, or whatever. And to really look at that, because from that, you, you, you won't have the same ideas and you don't want to be stuck in this feeling of, I don't want this, I don't want that, this hurts me. Because then you, you, you continue to be the same victim that you were when, when you divorced, you know. And, uh, and even with my ex now that we're still having challenges and it does take a lot of strength and, uh, and I keep praying for guidance and also for courage because I don't have it. But when I really face him with the monsters that he is, I ask, you know, what am I learning from this? And then as soon as I get it, 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 it dissolves. It really does dissolve. And then you can move on from that emotion of, you know, that, that would be that would be what I would share with, with anyone that's going through pain because I've been through a lot of pain and it's taken me a long time to, to see this. And I can see, I can share that the miracle that comes from just really looking at the pain, really looking at your emotions and actually welcoming the enlightenment from it because that is the, the next step will come. You will have the new wave of your new state and the attraction that you will get, you, you might get the most wonderful woman after that. And it doesn't have to come through a, a partnership, a relationship. It can just be through friends. You start off with friends. You can start off with children even, you know, things that really you resonate or, 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 or business people, you know, things like that. So it's taking it like this because I think it's really, really sad human beings not being able to connect. That's what you, your, your, your workshops are about. It's about connection. We can only fulfill ourselves through dear connections and not to have those, to have been so hurt by 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 those. We, we are so limiting our life on this planet. You may as well not live. I mean, I don't want to live when, when I'm not feeling like that. Okay, I'm not like everybody else, but... Majorly, the human heart is about that. That's it. Um, <clears throat> now, that's something beautiful you said, is that um, pain, anxiety, any uh, emotion is created. There's something that's holding it in place. Um, there's a structure to emotion. Um, and so it's not something that happens to us. 
but it's something that we create from our thinking. Um, and it's just when you have that awareness and you can pull it apart and you can let go, you, you're not controlled by anything. Yeah, I would agree with that, um, Rob, and also with what Veronique said as well about like, you know, it is sad to go through life and feel like you can't connect because I definitely have had that issue in my life and probably what's coming up now more for me is that, you know, it is latched on to what everyone said with having the expectations of where you think a relationship should look like to what you feel like you have isn't enough and then creating the emotions from your own mind um, because it is like a structure of thinking because that's what I found, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's great, but he's not this, that, that and that, even though he's like lovely. Um, but then that was also me holding on to expectations of who I felt I needed based on what I've seen or, you know, structures that I thought was true and actually just caused me a lot more pain, like a lot, lot, lot more pain rather than just accepting things as they were. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's... Um yeah, there's so much pain, and there's just putting that. I think I believe all emotion is um, is about the the degree of fear, um, and it's understanding what you're afraid of. Because what's going to happen is that your brain, unless you you think about it or you objectify it or any of those things. What you're going to do is you're going to catastrophize everything. So when relationships go wrong, immediately people think, okay, I'm, no one's ever going to love me. I'm going to end up homeless alone um, and I'll die a uh, crazy old cat lady and no one will ever see. Um, when, like, when there's a fear of your career, it's going to be, uh, um, I'm going to be bankrupt and um, destitute and and that so yeah fear will magnify everything um yeah so so, so the, the the best thing that you can really do is um look at what's the fear in every emotion like what's the fear underneath that um and when you take that out you can take out some of the sting of the of the emotion. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for such open, honest and interesting discussion. Um, so we have next week is connection. Is it connect conversation and connection? Um, which, uh, we had last week. Um, uh, not last week, last month. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that's next Monday um, at seven o'clock, um, which is a really deep one-to-one -one conversation with someone. Um, just a chance to connect with someone that you wouldn't normally um, get to get to talk to, and and just get to see a, a glimpse of how they see the world. Okay. Um, have a good week, everyone, um, and see you hopefully next week. Um, Nuri, is your hand up or are you just saying just wanted to say thanks to everyone. It, it was my first meeting and very, very insightful. Really glad okay. to be here. Thank you so uh, much. So
each and every one of you and really find this was very honest and sincere conversation and we all are here because we all are seeking that quality relationships right otherwise we would not spend so much of time here and yeah. and i think this is great way to like learn from each other and really reflect like when you talked about operating system where are we operating from right deep down we i mean i'm not sure about others yeah even i have been divorced and um so this there is a battle between me like inside me whether i want a real relationship not this this fear this insecurity but yes the, the truth is we are developing relationship with our own selves through having relationship with others right it's it's a it's a way we we just enlighten to our own potential in a way you know and if we if we are failing to see that or failing to tap our own potential because we have we are too afraid of our realities our own realities you know yeah it's sometimes um, and 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 also on that point, what we do to others, we do 10 times worse to ourselves. So if we blame, game and shame others, we do it worse to ourselves. Yeah. Um, because then we are in the same pattern, right? <laughs> we yeah. keep repeating those patterns and keep failing in relationships and not learning anything. Yeah. So thank you so much. I think it has been great. I think a lot to self-reflect after this <laughs> session. <laughs> so thank you so much. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. It's nice to meet you. Um, thank you, everyone else, and thank you, everyone who's um, uh, first time and been here before. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Night, night. Bye. Bye.